We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. On this Sunday night, December the 18th, 2022, we are 41 nights into the college basketball season. And right off the top, How much do we really know about who's great, who's not, who's just good? What's the temperature around the country? Over the next hour, we're going to try to find out some answers from Geo Baker, the Rutgers legend, and Laval Jordan, the former Butler head coach, also former Michigan assistant, spent a lot of time with Coach Beeline. I know you've got no shortage of stories there, Laval. It's great to have you gentlemen with me tonight. And I'll start with this. Laval, 41 nights in the season. You took on this this role this year with us at the Field of 68. You're getting to see teams, coaches, different styles of play. When you forecast college basketball and the state of things in general, what's the first thing that pops in your mind about where we sit in the sport in terms of like who's great versus who good and the parity factor? Yeah, John, that's always tough as a coach because, um, you know, I think the non-conference season gives you an opportunity just to see your team. And for this year's coaches, there's so many new players on so many teams because of the transfer portal and the way things are set up now. Um, So there's been a lot of learning as coaches go. And and you're doing that anyhow when you have freshmen. And Gio knows this. You got new guys, maybe transfers in the past that set out. You got freshmen that were coming in. Some some guys might surprise you. Some guys, you know, may not be as ready as you thought they may be. Uh, guys had their off-season development. And so, you know, some teams had foreign trips heading into the season. So everybody was at a different starting point when the season starts, right? And um, so you're just learning as much as you can. You challenge yourself to the degree that you thought your team would be able to handle it with your scheduling. Um, and you tried to plan that a year ago, right? That wasn't that decision wasn't made, you know, in September to play games in November. Right. Um, and so then, you know, you, you get an, an idea. And so, and you now you know what your your flaws, you know what you've gotten exposed and you've gotten experience, right? Those freshmen that were playing minutes, if you're that coach that had some of those guys, 
um, you know, they've gotten some experience now. Or your team that was all new, full of transfers, have gotten experience together. And so I think what we're seeing is, you know, those things happen and um, coaches go back to the meeting rooms and say, okay, here's where we are now as you head into conference play. Gio, thinking about the portal and the climate, like what's that dynamic of if you're a program that that does have some uh, a heavy amount of portaling happening, of coach relaying message to a team because that's what a coach has to do when you have so many new pieces and parts versus like the guy who's been around the block that still owns the locker room and could say to somebody, this is what we do, but that's not necessarily what that guy had been doing previously in his career. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I mean, I'm going to sound exactly like coach Jordan, but basically, you know, it's a, it's a learning period, right? As a coach, you're learning which buttons to push for which guys you're learning, you know, the roles of the team. So you're talking about a leader and who's been there around the block. That person may have started out as the leader. And now as a coach, you're starting to establish new leadership. Right. And that's what kind of non-conference play is all about. Learn about which buttons to push. Certain guys are going to have to maybe talk to them aggressively, get on them. Right. And they respond in a certain way. Whereas other guys may need to talk to them softly. Certain guys you can't talk to at all. I know for me as a player and as a leader, I had to figure out, how each guy was going to respond to me, how they were going to respond to coach. Shoot, some guys didn't didn't want to listen to coach. And then I'd have to, you know, oh, we, oh yeah, screw coach. We're going to do this together. It's me and you. You know what I'm saying? Like just whatever <laughs> whatever it took to get that win, though, whatever it took to get that win at that point. So learning learning the, the roles, learning how guys respond, I think is super important in non-conference play. And now coach gets a chance to see that. The leaders get a chance to see that. And you move forward. All right, and be honest I think this, you've seen the teams that, you know, like I think Connecticut's been impressive. And I say that from this standpoint, there's a lot of new, right? Now, Adama Sanogo isn't new, but the guard play is new. Tristan, Tristan Newton's new, you know, and Caravan was in the program, but he hadn't played. Donovan Kling, you know, those guys are new. Like, as opposed to Houston, whose backcourt has been together. They've had 200 practices together. And I think that's a big thing as a coach. It's not, mm. it's. How many, how much time have you spent together? The, the guys at Virginia, when you talk about Beekman and Armand Franklin, like Armand Franklin this year is productive at Virginia because he didn't know Tony Bennett's system last year. He was new to the system. He wasn't new to college basketball. He's productive at Indiana. Now his second year in the system, you you can see his 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 him blossom, you know, playing next to Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, who've been in the system, but he was just learning it, even though he was a good player. And now those guys are really good because They've had all those practices together and those games together, right? So that's why I think, like I said, Connecticut's impressive because Tristan Newton's new. They got guys that are new, and they're doing it in a similar fashion at a high level right now. It's kind of interesting, Laval, because it's almost as if the guy who arrives to campus for the second semester enrolls early, gets that semester, doesn't really play much, he's then more ready for what he's going to face – that's almost the new sit out. There's there's fewer yeah. and fewer of them, but we forget what the sit out rule did because, and, and I'm I'm all for the immediate thing, but that 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 changed what a player could then do for the program. It changed everything in terms of usage. And, and I think like Purdue, it's also why I'm really impressed with Purdue, and I know Geo will talk about them. Just Fletcher Lawyer, 
and and uh, Braden Smith, yep. like they're completely new to college basketball, completely yeah. new to the system. And for those guys to to be able to produce and buy in as young guard, a young backcourt, you know, Mason Gillis isn't new and Caleb first. They've got these other pieces, but they don't get to control the game like your guards do, right, Gio? Yeah, 100%. They're those young players. So, that, you know, I, there's teams where it's like some of it makes sense, um, but then some of it's impressive. You know, I think Marcus Carr being productive at Texas makes sense. He was new to the system last year, and everybody talked about how he wasn't a – well, it makes sense. Now he's at two years in coach in, in the system. And, you know, Tyrese Hunter is extremely impressive because he's new to all of it, and he's still getting it done. And I think those things stand out you know, early here in the season when you talk about some of these teams. Look at Purdue. Geo Baker, you have opinions on every Big Ten program because you face them. <laughs> playing Purdue, did you fear playing them? I mean, I don't know if as a competitor, fear is ever the 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 right word. Um, but there's certain teams like, you know, Michigan State, Purdue. Michigan, where I feel like you may prepare a little bit differently without even realizing it. You know, Purdue is definitely in that in that upper section of the league where, you know, if you're going to Mackey Arena, you know you need to be ultimately prepared. You know you, know you need to be connected as a unit because if you're not, you're going to get killed. And I've been killed in that building, and I've also won in that building. Um, but where's that Purdue, rank, that, that building? Where's that rank? I mean, for me, it was number one, for sure, for sure. Like, it, it wasn't even – in the Big Ten, I don't even think it's close. I think Purdue's number one. Hundred uh, percent. Like it's it's a hard place to play. It's a very hard place to play. The fans are like super connected. Like it kind of feels like they're all just one unit. Um, but but in terms of Purdue as a program and as a team, I always respected Coach Painter. Um, you know, we're talking about how these freshman guards are stepping in and, and they're fitting in seamlessly. It seems like it's like that almost every year, where they have this system and guys just kind of get plugged in, and they always have that big center. Obviously, right now it's Zach Eady, and he's super talented. But they always have that big guy in the middle where. You know, it's kind of just pick your poison. You know that all these shooters are going to be running off all these different down screens. It's going to be a million plays. Um, and then they always have a counter to it, too. So you have to be super prepared on the defensive end. And they always play hard on defense, too. I think the teams are learning. I got a great Purdue. We had one of our one of my favorite wins that I was ever a part of at Purdue. We are there. This is 2014 Michigan um, assistant coach there. Glenn Robinson, the third's on our team. So Big Dog, his dad, his number's in the rafters. I mean, it's it's Big Dog, Glenn Rob. Mm. And game comes down to the wire. We run a last-second play, side out-of-bounds play, lob it to Glenn Robinson the third, who has got like 1.3 on the – 1.6 on the clock, who catches, takes a dribble, shoots a floater in to beat Purdue, you know, on dad's old home. I mean, it's, it's hard to win there, period. Yo, man, it's uh, it hard. It's one of, it's it's one of my favorite there. wins. I mean, you know, and Glenn, you know, just happy for the kid because everybody, you know, talked about and compared him to his dad and the whole story. Uh, it was a great, it was a great victory. Uh, but that is a, it's a, it's not a place where you get many victories. <laughs> sure. No, most definitely. I've, I've been beat by 30 twice in there. So I already know. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say to, to what Gia was saying, and I think this is the other thing that's starting to stand out, John. I had the Xavier call, Xavier, um, and they had just come off who they play. They had just come off beating Cincinnati in the Crosstown yeah. shootout. Yeah. Sule Boom, right? So you take yeah. a guy like Sule Boom, who's having a phenomenal season. He's scored everywhere he's been, uh, <laughs> and he's having a phenomenal year for Xavier. 
But they didn't go to him at the end of the Indiana game when they lost to Indiana at home, right? Sean went to Adam Kunkel um, because I think he's learning his team. And over those, like I said, those experiences and practices, he goes to Sule Boom and he delivers against Cincinnati, you know, whereas – and Houston knows they're going to Marcus Sasser, like you already right. know. So that's the thing. Coaches have an experience with their guys to know wh where we're going. We know we're going to Geo Baker. If Geo has been in our program, like, you know, Coach Pico knew where they were going down the stretch. Geo's going to have the ball. He's going to make the decision. Those things are starting to develop um, and you, in, in some of these tight, close games, right? So what was impressive when Purdue was at Nebraska, to get back to Purdue, and and they threw the kitchen sink at Zach Eady, and, and he didn't have 30 points that night or 20 points that night uh, to see Fletcher Lawyer deliver because Paint went to him. Mm. Paint went to him consistently, and he delivered, and I was extremely impressed uh, with him because that was kind of the question, right, who they're going to go to late game, which guard's going to be able to make a play, do they have one? And, uh, you know, that was an impressive night for him. Yeah, another underrated piece of the whole equation is Ethan Morton. 38 assists to just 12 turnovers on the year. It's It's been super impressive. But let's transition here and talk about the day's storylines. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to have tiers. We're going to break down tiers in the Big Ten. Gio's going to give us tiers in the Big Ten, what he's seeing in that league. Laval Jordan's going to give us some tiers in the Big East. we got a little naughty nice list. We're one week away from Christmas. Laval, do you have your Christmas shopping done? Is it done? Not at all. <laughs> Never have at this point. It's December 18th, John. That's <laughs> all. Got plenty of time. <laughs> We've got an entire week left. <laughs> I'd say Amazon Prime is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I mean, right? No doubt. I'm closer done? this year, though. I'm closer. You're closer than you've ever been. <laughs> but I'm not done. You just reminded him. You just reminded him. I just said send a statement. Send a statement. So we'll have tears. We've got a fun week of shows as well leading up to Christmas with some, some cool stuff on Field of 68 after dark. By the way, subscribe to the Field of 68 daily every morning, 8 a.m. Uh, Field of 68.shop as well for anything that you need merchandise-wise. We've got producer Dagan Hughes in here. If you got a question for us tonight, send it in the chat. Let's look back at Saturday here before we look at today. I want to get your guys' thoughts. I'm putting you on the spot. I'll give you the five. Kansas beating Indiana, 84-62. Allen Fieldhouse, just a dominant performance. Gonzaga, 100, Alabama, 90. Drew Timmy played like the All-American he is. Houston beating Virginia at Virginia, 69-61. The Cougars reasserted themselves yesterday. North Carolina beat Ohio State, 89-84. UCLA completed a great week with a 10-point win over Kentucky. Or Arizona beating Tennessee, which if y'all stayed up late for that, you saw a great college basketball game. I'm going to ask you, Geo Baker, of all the games I just gave you the rundown on, which of the, the national heavyweights were you impressed by the most on Saturday? I mean, I think I was impressed most by North Carolina. Um, you know, they've, they've been, they, they haven't been playing up to their potential, I guess you could say, or, or up to their hype um, from the preseason. And, you know, to, to go beat Ohio State, it's a very good basketball team, very physical, very tough team, um, you know, and they made plays down the stretch, and and that's never easy to do in college basketball. So, you know, big kudos to them. Coach? That's a that's a difficult one, John, because there was two that really, really stood out to me. I think, um, I think Houston winning at Virginia is extremely impressive. 
Um, you know, they obviously they had Alabama coming, they had a tough loss. And but to go in there just knowing style of play, um, you know, a top 10 matchup, a guards matchup with all the guards that were on the court and for for Virginia to defend uh, the way that you know what it's going to be when you're playing a Virginia or Wisconsin or Villanova. I mean, Gio, you know what type of game that's going to be. Yeah, 100%. It's a little bit slower paced and a, a more of a grind. Um, so for the, I, thought, I was extremely impressed for those guys to to go in there and, and get that victory. And for uh, Jairus Walker, the freshman, who's a grown man as a freshman, um, to stand out like he did in that matchup. So, I'll say though, I seen it. my fault, fans. I'll just say though, I've I've played against Houston as well though, and man, I would love to see fight. how they, I would That's love to see fight. how they practice. I would <laughs> love to see a Houston practice, man. Like you practice with the bubble up, right, Gio? You've had a couple of yeah, those. Yeah, man. Of course, but man, the, you know the bubble way that up, the way there. that they play is 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 different. You don't you don't see that very often. So you know, I would love to see the way they practice. Kansas would have been a close. That was my close second though, John. Mm. I mean, like just everybody kind of wrote them off or. It's like they're they're really good. They're really good. So I stayed up late last night in Greenville off of the 2022 Greenville Winter Invitational Field of the 68 first live game broadcast. A terrific moment for this network and an amazing game in which Stephen F. Austin was down 24. They come all the way back. They take the lead. Furman wins it. Mike Bothwell is a killer. 36 points. The game winner. He was clutch time and again. Uh, they call Bond... Sakura's Wellness Arena, the well, it's Bothwell's building now. I mean, he was he was absolutely fantastic. So he stay, stayed up in Greenville and decided to watch Arizona, Tennessee in its entirety, which I love because Rick asks, uh, actually said, you guys only talked about the Arizona versus Tennessee game for four minutes last night. That's because it ended late. But I want to give you some thoughts on this. Last night, Arizona and Tennessee played one of the best games of the entire season. If the game had been staged during the noon or two or four o'clock slots, we'd be talking about it even more. It was staged late night, so not as many people are watching it live. I'm telling you guys, Tennessee lost. They showed me last night that they belong in the Final Four conversation. That team is tough between Sakai Ziegler and Santiago Viscovi. And Olivier Kamwa, how tough he is inside. Tennessee made life difficult for Arizona for the majority of the night. But Tommy Lloyd adjusting game. Right now, he is one of the top three to four offensive minds in college basketball. In fact, Tommy Lloyd as the head coach at Arizona is 43 and five. He's coached in 48 games. He's won 43 of them. They have four ranked wins this season. They've won 25 straight games in the McHale Center, and they have the best front court duo in the country in Azulis, Tabellis, and Omar Bala. It is amazing what Lloyd's built there. I thought Tennessee played really well. Arizona still beat them, and Pele Larson was big down the stretch. The ways that they could throw off a Tennessee defense that's the best in the country yeah. was really impressive. Mm. Yeah, he, he's he's Tommy's done a great job. You know, all great coaches are made by great players, and he's uh, he's had good players the last couple of years. So that'll help you win a, a pretty good number of games, right? Um, and but I think his guards. I mean, everybody talks about the bigs, but Pele Larson's. I mean, he's a he's a 
Nice, nice basketball player. And he, oh. st he stepped up uh, in that one. But they, they've got so many ways. I think I was on here last time and just talking about contenders. It's like they, they've got – they have firepower. You know, they can – you know, who anybody – they've got multiple guys that can get 17 to 25. So if you take one or two away, I mean, there's a third and a fourth guy that's really, really talented. <laughs> and um, everybody in the country doesn't have that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, Azulis Tubelos is a first-team All-American today. He's tremendous. He, he, he has been tremendous. We got people in the chat saying he doesn't get enough credit. I can tell you right here on Field of 68 After Dark, we will give him his due credit. He's averaging 20 and 9 on the season for one of the best teams in America. He's shooting 61% from the floor. He's got a couple assists as well. He's basically accounting for a third of the team's production offensively. And it is a set, it's basically an automatic geo that Tabellus and Ballo are going to get 40 and 20 combined. It just depends on who's going to get more. Here, here's the thing that's really impressive about that, John and, and Gio. Mm. They're playing them both together, and, and neither one of them shoot threes. Right. That's, cra that's crazy. Today's Think game. about today's game of basketball, <laughs> and they're both producing it the way they're, they're, they are. Ballo hasn't taken a three on the year, and Tabellus is four for 11. And for both of them to be that productive in today's game where it's five out and it's spaced out and it's spacing, you know, with lanes to drive and cut uh, or posting four round one, like that's extremely impressive. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very impressive. I mean, it, Arizona is the real deal, and they showed it again last night. And, and I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see because I – like to me, guys, I don't know what you think. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Arizona, UConn, you have to throw Purdue in there. And, and I thought, to your point, Coach, like Houston showed it this past weekend. Like, those are the those are the teams that they hit – when they hit their top gear, thus far this season, that it's very hard to touch them. I, I, would, I think Purdue might be the most vulnerable on that list, to be honest. Why do you think that? Uh, I mean, number one, you you know, you look at some of the games they had. They, you know, they were close with Nebraska. Right? They didn't they didn't look so good the other night either. Um, you know, and and you just look at the way they're constructed. I think that though, you know, they got guards it, that um, you know can be exploited on defense. Mm -hmm. um, they've had nights where they haven't shot the basketball too great. 
Um, you know, you look at some of these other teams, look at Arizona, right? The way that you're just going off about their front court. These guys look are physical. They're tough. They look indestructible. UConn, they're like 10, 11 deep. Um, you know, some of these other teams, I don't, I, I would put some of these other teams ahead of Purdue right now, um, just because I think that Purdue has uh, just more weaknesses in, in total. It's tough coming from the Big Ten guy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's here's two I'll more be the one to know. That, that are like uh, Kansas and UCLA. Okay. Where and I've been impressed. I've caught I've caught them on a couple occasions, uh, and where they just like UCLA is impressive from the fact that there's a t- Mick Cronin's brought a toughness to California. It's not Hollywood out there. Like that's a that's a that's a grind it out. He's a Midwest coach, but. You know, what they did to Illinois, uh, you know, where I know they lost to Illinois, lost to Baylor, but the way they've rebounded and, um, you know, watching the game against Maryland, I mean, it was, it was, Maryland's good. And it was, Maryland's very good. It was like at Maryland, it was a dominant performance, as physical as you, you could, you could imagine. And, and then to come back and be, cont- I just, they have experience. They, they don't flinch. They've, they've got guys that have been there. You see the way they, the way they operate, similar to in Kansas, the same way. There's like a, there's an aura, there's a feeling like they're not, they're not worried. Um, they know who they are, and to Gio's point, they, you know, they, they just don't, they don't ride the wave. You can tell, and I think that pays dividends down, the, down the stretch of getting a conference play, and it's a grind. I mean, I, I think it's what's so interesting about the Purdue element. We have some YouTube commenters because somebody just said. Purdue's a top 10 team, but they're not a final four team to me. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. It's an interesting line. Um, like the, the thing that I look at is how much of that is based on reputation in March. How much of that. So people form a perception, how much of that is based on the fact that, that Purdue, that, that Matt Painter hasn't been able to have the major breakthrough, which I'm sure a lot of it is. But Laval, we've talked about this. The key to making the tournament run is just keep making the tournament. And and I guess the other thing is like, so do you think that Fletcher Lawyer and Brayton Smith are finished? Like, is they're it aren't, aren't they only going to keep getting better? They're only going to get better. They're, they're just learning. Um, and and look, it's it's hard, John. Like we don't really. Need- He's got us defending oh. Purdue. Yeah, we don't really know who had Loyola going to a Final Four a few years right, ago, right? Or you know, like you you don't know. Nobody had Carolina last year, um, you know. So obviously, it's it's fun to talk about, but truth is, right right now, teams are playing really well, and you can see who's established. I just you kind of look at who's very very difficult to guard. I think that is that that's that helps. Because you get and then who has a couple of guys that can Geo Baker can win an individual matchup. Because when you get into conference play, you're so well scouted. There's so much technology. There's so many. Yeah, you know, everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah, and so now it comes down to your development, your individual skill, and like you said, those two guards are going to get better. Um, right. It's 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 fun to try to project, but you know who who really knows. <laughs> sure. Sure. I think it's, that's that's what makes that's what makes college basketball college basketball. That's what makes the tournament so fun to watch. That's why it's the most watched event. Um, you know, and I, I agree with you guys. Like, you just need to make it in the tournament, and then it's anybody's game at that point. So, you know, the fact that they're playing basketball the way they are right now and getting hot, right? Like, I mean, yeah. 
Carolina last year gets hot. Kimball Walker gets hot and then wins right. 11 straight. You know, right. What what's happening now? Coaches are going to be, they're going to be working on things the entire rest of you know whatever those flaws are, whatever wherever they're getting exposed. And then you catch a a good guard, a Geo Baker that like just starts. You know, he's having a senior year and he don't want to go home. Um. So, you know, those I think who who has th- those elements right now, guys, coaches that I'm talking to around the country and I'm talking to them, you know, it's more about buy in at this point in time. And you can say I think you can see Houston, like Gio said, they're bought into here's how we're going to win games. Point blank, period. Nobody's arguing. There's no there's no ballot boxes in the locker room. Kelvin Sampson's not having that. Um, you know, some other programs, especially with the transfers that maybe, you know, you're trying to get guys to still buy in to some of the roles. And as that happens, you know, you'll see, you'll see these ascensions. Buy-in. The, it, the portal makes that more difficult. And NIL. More difficult. And right. NIL. Because, and, yeah. because right now the reality is, Geo, as, as much as it's, it's great, we all, all three of us believe it's great. Anybody who doesn't believe it's great, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. I mean, get with the times. Okay. Get your head on the clouds. Do your Christmas shopping and acknowledge the facts. NIL is good. Okay. Having said this, NIL is different. Change is different. Change is different. And Geo Baker, having played, you played for a guy in Seapikel who is the epitome of we're going to pound nails. We're going to play the hell out of you. We're going to make you work for everything you're going to get. And we are going to align our views. In other words, he wasn't sacrificing the team for just one, one guy or two guys or whatever like that that dynamic's never been more interesting to accomplish because you can both acknowledge that nil's great while also understanding that now it's it's going to be even more of a conscious effort to understand what and who it is that you need and who fits your program that element of fits never been more complicated yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it has complicated a little bit, but at the end of the day, it comes down to character. Like, it comes down to the kids that you're recruiting. Like, right now, Coach Michael's team, none of those guys are looking for NIL money, and that's those are the kids that he recruited. Right now on Purdue, none of those guys are looking for NIL money, but those are the type of kids that Coach Painter recruited, and he made it very clear. Like, I, I forget what he was saying in the interview, but he made it super clear that he wasn't going for any of that, right? So I think it just comes down to, to the character of the kids. And at the end of the day, you know, these – these are competitors like dudes aren't going to be mad about NIL money versus playing time. Right. These are dudes that have been going through this their whole time. That's why they're playing division one college basketball. That's why they've made it to the spot that they're at. And it's going to be the same anywhere. It's going to be the same in the pros. There's going to be guys making more money than you. There's going to be guys playing more than you. And, you know, at the end of the day, these kids are competitors and they're used to it. And, um, you know, obviously if, if the guys who want to win are going to find a way to get through all of that. And the guys who have the correct character are going to find a way to get past all of that. So I think, I think it's overblown like out of proportion just because it is new and it's, it's a new factor in the game. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to the character of the coach and the character of the kids. Laval, you're talking to coaches every day. What What's, what's the day to day? No, I think, you know, like I said, you know, the ones that I'm talking to, the, the guys that Geo's spot on, um, how they recruited them on the way in, that becomes extremely important because then that sets the expectation. And so, you know, you know, at Wisconsin, Wisconsin is very good this year, right? Nobody was talking about them heading into the season. 
They just go about their business. They have a culture. They recruit to a character, a certain type of guy that fits the mold and, and get to work. Um, you know, Villanova's not worried about that. I know people around their program very closely. It's like they and everybody's trying to do what they can for their players. I think that's where coaches are in this space is we're trying to do what we can because we do like the fact that they 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 deserve, you know, something here. And we're trying to do what we can, but we're not taking this out, out of whack. Um, and I don't know, you know, maybe from an outsider standpoint, what fans look at, it seems all crazy, but coaches aren't aren't handling it. They're still trying to figure it out and they're not trying to make too much of it, but they do want players to be able to get, you know, something that's fair. Um, but if it becomes an issue in a locker room, I think that's where everybody hit it. The, the right guys hit it all on the front end. True. Definitely, definitely agree. Truth on all that. Let's switch to tears here. And we've got your questions as well. Before we do that, we've got uh, a couple comments coming in. Rick says, must bust. Razorback Rock says, woo pig. So we've got some Arkansas fans checking in. I'll tell you what. The SEC is going to be fascinating. I mean, guys, Tennessee is tough. They're, they are tough as you know what. Arkansas, look, the, the the fact is that, you know, Trayvon Brazil, it's it's a tough situation with that injury. Having said this, like, that freshman class, Nick Smith and Jordan Walsh are killers and make things happen, and Ricky Council's been fantastic for, for Eric Musselman's group. Like, talking to the Razorbacks for a moment, Laval, it's amazing what he's been able to do back-to-back elite eights. And, and, and it's come with different roster personnel changes, but man, oh man, talk about a team that just fits to the identity of their leader. Yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, just mindset and, and how Muss is recruited to the portal. Fred Hoiberg did this at Iowa state. If you remember, right. When transfer, like he built, he had Monte Morris and George Niang kind of staples from a high school prospect standpoint. And they weren't like five-star guys, but then he he utilized the portal um, like crazy at Iowa State and did a really good job. Muss is doing uh, something similar, you know. Now just and he's uh, so and to get those guys to buy into what he's, uh, you know, playing together um, and and doing it the way that they've done. Obviously, the big the big injury uh, to Bazile is is tough, but they still have. I mean, you think about. Nick Smith, you know, he's he, the freshman, right? Nick Smith, Anthony Black. So it was hard to put all that on freshmen. But, I mean, Baylor had three dynamic guards. <laughs> They've got three dynamic players that are going to continue to get better. And Ricky Council's, you know, he's 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 uh, documented, he's established, and he's he's found a great role there. So I'd be curious to just see them. Because you're coaching new teams. Teams that have injured, like Bill, you take Villanova counting up to, like, when – and Gio, I don't know how this is for you when you either the player that's inserted into the lineup or on the team where a new players say coming back from an injury. Like I remember we had Jordan Tucker at Butler and he came in mid-year, like we mm. transferred that semester to Duke from Duke. He started mid-year and talking to our guys after the season was over, they all, all said, you know, it was just kind of they were trying to figure out how to get him into and he was trying to figure it out he didn't want to step in anybody's toe anybody's toes and and so when you have an injury it's up you, you end up start you're starting to coach a new team right and so now without Brazil you kind of got to remold reshape 
you know, how you play now versus how you were playing with him in the lineup. And they'll, so they'll be a bit of a different team. Like they may play a bit different without him. If that yeah, makes I think, sense. I think, yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. I think there's always an adjustment period when you have a player of that caliber go out by the end of the day, like, and we've been talking about this so much about culture and, you know, having the right guys in your program. I know that like, based off my personal experience with coach Pykele and at Rutgers, you know, he would just always tell the other guys, be ready, like be ready, be a star in your role right now. And then you're going to be more ready to step into the new role. If something bad does happen, he would always bring it up. Listen, guys are going to sprain their ankle. Someone's going to get sick. The COVID year, he said, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. So that at that moment, you kind of always have to have that mental. What I like about them is they've won games in the nineties and they've won games in the sixties. Right. So they're just exactly. finding, they're finding ways to win, which is the most important thing right now, especially this early, a lot of teams, are still trying to figure that out, and and they've been one of the teams to navigate it correctly. They defend no matter who's on the floor. Arkansas defensively is as tough as they come, and that includes Tennessee. I mean, I want to watch Arkansas and Tennessee play uh, because I think it's just a war. And what impresses me the most is that we have seen countless freshman classes come in with huge numbers next to their name, tons of stars, Tons of hype, tons of buzz. We've seen it. Must is making the highly touted class a commonality down at Arkansas. And the kids that are coming in, they know what to expect. And they know what's expected of them. There's a great thing happening at Arkansas where these freshmen, yeah, they're trying to get to the league. They know they're trying to get to the league. But Jordan Walsh knows what he was brought to Arkansas to do. Nick Smith knows what he was brought to Arkansas to do. There's a, a role definition. And that's really hard to do, I think, Laval. When you, when you have a freshman class, everybody walks in thinking that they are the best kid on the planet. I feel like Gio, and he's a um, – what Calipari was doing at Kentucky when the one-and-done thing – jump you know when it was like newer like port the portals newer now but when he got anthony davis and you know that whole group to buy into and he did it for he's continues to do it to this day which is hard like you said you have all the you know all the accolades and all the hype behind you and you have the dreams of playing in the nba and that's and he sold it as come here to get ready and and that was kentucky's you know brand and how he recruited and i feel like Musselman's doing a version of that with the portal and, and the whole way that he's doing it is, you know, in Arkansas. I mean, I I mean, the, the reality is, is like, you know, the dudes who are going to get drafted, you know, other than a select special few are the guys who are winning, right? That's, that's the bottom line. And, and it's easy for us to be up here and say that, but obviously as an 18 year old kid, you don't understand that at first. I didn't understand that when I first came in as a freshman. So Again, this is another one. I'm I'm a basketball junkie, so I would love to be in his practice, right? I was saying earlier, I'd love to be in Houston practice. I would love to be in there to to hear what he's telling these guys, right? What their culture is like, because that is not easy to do. You're talking about for freshmen. It's not easy to do with juniors, with seniors, with guys who have been stars. I, I, I played in every single role at Rutgers. At one point, I was the star. At one point, I was the fourth option during the COVID year. Like, I've been, I've come off the bench, right? And eat, like, for a guy like me, sometimes it would be hard if I knew that I was a star player at one point, and now all of a sudden you're telling me that I'm coming off the bench, and this is my senior year, right? So as a, you're saying it's hard for freshmen, it's hard for college basketball players in general who are 
high major basketball players, stars on campus. Every single guy has an ego. That's not always easy to to bring everyone together. And, and Mus also sells to these kids that he has the NBA experience, that he was a former NBA coach. That, that's I think that's, I think that's, that's a huge a part point, of it. Uh, because yeah. there's, there's a couple ways to go about One is like the developmental come here, we'll develop you and part to get you ready. And, and like when I was with coach Beeline, that was a big thing at Michigan, the developmental piece. We had a couple guys, Keelan Martin and Sean McDermott from Butler. And it was more that be, you know, um, and so we had the Nick Stauskas, Karis Leverts, Tim Hardaway's, but those guys were three star, maybe four come in. They had, they had these ceilings and to get ready versus part of development where you're Calipari or Mossman is, Hey, I've been there, done that. I've seen it. I've coached there. Know what it looks like. Come here and practice every day is going to develop you because you're going to practice against, you know, the other guys that is, and you're, and then what Gio just said, when you do make it to the next level and accomplish your dream, it's going to be, you're going to have to accept a role. So mm. let's start now. And, and that, that way to do, you know, that, that way to do it, it's all fine. You just choose your lane that you're going to go in and what fits you as a coach. And I think he's done a tremendous job of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have these schools caught up to Kentucky or did Kentucky come back to them? In in what regard? Just... In everything. Kentucky, okay. walk, we walked into this season. We walked into this season. And we believe that Kentucky could be a final four caliber team. And I get your points about nobody could have seen Loyola Chicago. Nobody could have seen North Carolina, all that. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We tell it like it is. Kentucky's offense is not good. It's not consistent. There's not much happening to it. I I don't know what to make of it from game to game. Like, Kentucky's offense right now is kind of like blind dating. I mean, you you don't know what you're going to get from night to night. (laughs) And you hope that the food's good because right now, and that's the three-point shooting. Their three-point shooting goes here, here, and everywhere, guys. It's it, You don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're getting. They have a point guard in Severe Wheeler who I like, who I like. But 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 he can't shoot the ball, and so that that's problematic for them. Like And that's my point here is, for Kentucky, they've been one of the biggest disappointments. On Saturday, they got worked by UCLA. UCLA is really good. UCLA is really good. But there's nothing about Kentucky. They're really, really good, John. They're really good. There is nothing about Kentucky season thus far that would suggest that they're anywhere close to what we thought they would be. (laughs) (laughs) Neither one of you two would touch it. Neither one of you two would touch it. It is what it is. Well, my, my question is, who is we? Like, we, you yeah, know. that's that, okay. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't remember ever saying Kentucky was a final. Well, what did you season. think? That, do you think? Do you think now that they're I just think is at a premium, and and so when I look at teams that you know 
can can make the deep run. Do you have you know multiple? I mean, Ashutoshibwe is obviously dominant, um, but do you have an, in there like can you shoot the bat? Here's what what Diego's point when you're preparing for a Purdue, it's like there's multiple shooters on the court, and so there's there's firepower. I mean, you have to account for everyone. Uh, it's hard to game plan for, especially now you have a dominant post in there like a Zach Eady. Where are you coming from for help? And he's a really, you know, so if they the have shooting, I, they have the reigning national piece. player of the year. But that's that's a piece, right? So in terms of surrounding him, like the shooting piece is a big thing. If Connecticut this year doesn't bring in Tristan uh, Newton, if Jordan Hawkins doesn't develop, if Caravan's not shooting the ball, like Sonogo's okay. a really good player. Um, it's just hard to find space in today's game. It's really, it really is. But doesn't Danny run good action to set those guys up? Like what's you from a, from a defensive yes. perspective, when you're getting ready to defend yes. UConn, how hard is it? How many it, sets it, do they have? You can, I mean, keep counting. They've got things that go to Sonogo in the middle third. They've got things to get their shooters open. They're going to get their best guards and pick and roll. I mean, Gio knows all this. Uh, so when you play Purdue, you're just trying to blow all that stuff up so they can't even run it because right. there's too many to count. All right. Man. All right, we're ready here. It's 1042, so it's time for tears. It's time for – Dagan Hughes has loaded up the graphics machine, from what I understand, to some naughty versus nice, to some Christmas-themed. So I asked you guys to tear things out in the – we'll start in the Big Ten – Gio's going to lead us off here. Gio, we talked about NCAA tournament teams. There's no question. Yes, sir. There's no question the Big Ten has proved the most thus far this season because we walked into this year thinking, ah, the conference could take a step back. It hasn't taken a step back. It's it's nope. stayed right there, if not exceeded any expectation level. How would Gio Baker tier the Big Ten at the moment? So I'm starting off with the front runners. Uh, and I actually only have one right now. I only have Purdue as the front runner. I think if you were to have the Big Ten tournament at this very moment right now, I don't think that you could make a case for anyone winning other than Purdue. Uh, just the way that they're playing overall, I think two through twelve, you could you could kind of close your eyes and and, and just pick at this moment. But uh, as a front runner, I'd say only Purdue is in that slot. Um, and then I have my second tier, which is tournament teams. And in that tier, I have Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, and Ohio State. Uh, for Wisconsin, you know, they're they're 2-0 in the Big Ten already, as everyone seems to do every single year. They're underrated in preseason, and they somehow find a way to just win. <laughs> and uh, that's just classic Wisconsin basketball. But, you know, what impressed me the most is that they got a W um, in Iowa. It's never easy to win on the road in Big Ten. Who doesn't underrate Wisconsin, John? Coaches. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> then I definitely start true. every season unranked, and every coach knows. It's because they're not sexy. It's because they're not sexy. Unreal. It is unreal. It is. It really is unreal. <laughs> but I you mean, only, so even, go on. You have so you've got Wisconsin. So you've got, I got one yeah. front runner in Purdue. Yes, sir. Tournament got Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, and Ohio State. I think now, of those schools, who do you feel the best about? Gotta be Illinois. I don't know. I mean, Illinois keeps being. I keep seeing you know different stuff on social media. It seems like they have some internal problems. I mean, I feel I feel good about every single one of those teams making the tournament. Like, don't get me wrong. I think 
Illinois yeah, has more talent than the rest of those other teams. Um, but I'm seeing stuff about Coach Underwood going back and forth with Matthew Meyer, going back and forth with Terrence Shannon Jr. And it's getting to the media. I think that's usually the worst part about it. Like every team usually has you can't let that internal issues, but yep. it's the fact that it's now getting out to the media that um, you know, is a cause for for some concern. Again, I don't I don't have any doubt in my mind that they are going to make the tournament. But now it's just about how how high of a seed and, and where they're going to be at. And that's something they need, they need to figure out quickly. Uh, with Indiana, I, I feel okay about them. My, my thing is they need to play the same as they do. I see you smiling. I'm not even trying to take no digs right now. I'm not trying to, not trying to start anything with the Indiana fans on Twitter. Um, you know, but I want to, I want, I want to see them. I want to see them play. You know, the same on the road that they do at home. It's a, it's a hey, really hard. Yo, I joined the club. I got, I caught a little bit of that. Before. You, caught, you caught some too, man. <laughs> I'm still live here in Indiana, so I got it. <laughs> but they're a good. They're a really good team. Yeah. No, nah, they're they're a very good team. I just want to see them be a little bit more consistent on the road. I think that. How do at, they get home, better? Like that's my problem. They're one of those teams. Like they're they're a quality team. Could they win two tournament games? Oh yeah. I think Hood, my opinion, Hood Shafino is an outlier for them. Yeah. Like the guy when he came out against North Carolina, and started, and he, I think he had the first eight points, and it was like, whoa. Yep. You no, know? and so because the other guys are kind of, you know, what you're gonna get from them, but he's okay. one that's he's gonna continue to he he's going to continue to get better for so for them. Yep. A lot depends on his development. Yeah, I think that was that was the first thing I said when they when they lost to Rutgers. You know, without when Hutchinson wasn't in that lineup, it hurt them a lot because even and even at the beginning of the year he was playing super inconsistent. You know, he wasn't he wasn't scoring at a super high level. But at the end of the day, if you look at it from a scouting perspective, like that's a guy that you always have to be aware of. Always yeah, have to think about impressive. his playmaking. He's, he's super impressive. Like he passes the eye test, and as a defender and as a player. You're gonna make sure that that you're guarding him a certain way, and that free stuff up for Trace. That's free stuff up for Race, uh, Race Thompson. So I think that without him in the lineup, that really hurt them. And he's definitely the outlier for the team, hundred percent. All right. So after contenders. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the second tier of tournament teams. Then I have my bubble where I have Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers, Penn State, and Northwestern. Uh, for Michigan. You know, obviously right now their their net is just awful. So that was something that I took into account. I was child, you know, going off the analytics a little bit. Um, you know, and then obviously Jalen Llewellyn, Llewellyn going out is is super tough loss for them. Uh the freshman Doug uh Doug's really gonna have to grow up super fast, you know, uh for them to be a contender. You think about Big Ten basketball, you need to have a, a good point guard. And Michigan has always had a good point guard on all every single one of their great teams. So that's something that he's gonna have to do. Um fast you know he's really gonna have to grow up you know tomorrow at this point you know we're basically in conference play i gotta tell you one of the most interesting games this week is michigan and north carolina in the jump man invitational in yeah. charlotte talk yeah. about two teams that like now north carolina's got some momentum on their side they seem to figure something out yesterday michigan could use a big time result they could use a a Hey, we're gonna put people on notice that we that we do have it because for Michigan it's been choppy. So I I'm in agreement with you. I mean, right now it's seven and three. They've lost to Virginia at home. They lost to Kentucky. You heard our thoughts on them, uh, or at least my thoughts. They they got crushed by Arizona State. That doesn't look nearly as bad. But that's the thing. If you look at Michigan through ten games, Gio, you're right. Michigan doesn't own a quality win. Yeah, no, that, that that game is huge for both teams, I think. I think it's huge for both teams uh, in terms of, like, a confidence booster, in terms of, 
just your overall mental state, right? You know, especially in today's age with so much social media, I think either program could get a lot of hate, uh, you know, for, for losing that game or losing big, whatever it may be. Just, you know how it is. You know how social media goes. We're all media guys here right now, right? You, you know how, how quickly the tide, the tide can shift just from one loss. And, and I think, and how quickly it can shift too from a win, right? Seriously, no, it's a confidence booster. It's, it's a reality. So I think that it's a huge game for both teams. All right, so then you got Bubble, and then who's on the naughty list? Oh, uh, man, I got, I mean, Minnesota and Nebraska. Um, you know, Nebraska, they, they, uh, they're, they're more competitive this year. I think the key for them, though, is, and we've we spent this entire episode talking about it, is, is getting guys back in your program, getting culture guys. I, I see them losing a lot of close games this year, and that's just simply because of, of little mental lapses that you just don't learn in your first year in a program. You just don't, or you learn it, but you don't under, you don't know how to overcome it. You don't know how to achieve to get to that, to get to those close wins. So I see them losing a lot of close games that Minnesota, they just, they got a long way to go. So not a lot, not a lot to talk about with them. Look, I feel for, for coach Johnson. I mean, I, the golden Gophers I thought could take a step forward. It, it hasn't, it's, it has not been a kind season. They've dealt with injuries. There's no question about it. I, I'll say this, like we had Richard Patino on the show earlier this past week, Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster and Greg Waddell had Richard Patino on Richard Patino is sitting pretty right now, guys, yeah. New, New real, Mexico real, tonight, real pretty. real pretty New Mexico beats Iona. Richard beats his father, Rick, how sweet it is to do that. And New Mexico's 11 and 0, one of the few unbeatens remaining. And, and to me, I thought Richard put it so well the other night. He said, it's nothing against Minnesota. It's nothing against my where, where I was in Minnesota. But he said, New Mexico's a lot of fun and had intrigue to me because I knew we would be a top three or, or four program from a resources, from a, a brand, from a who we are in our particular league. And I think that matters. I mean, I, 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 I think that that, in other words, Minnesota is never going to be able to, to be what Michigan State can be, uh, what Michigan can be, you know, what, what Indiana basketball can be, what Purdue can be. It's not a slight. I'm sure Minnesota fans don't like hearing that, but I, I think that matters, Laval Jordan. I do. Yeah, I wouldn't say can never, but the commitment yeah, that it takes. Like any yeah. teams and programs can can jump into that tier, but it takes it takes a full aligned commitment from a number of entities around the program right. and the program. So never not you know, there's teams that have made Houston, like look at what Kelvin's done at Houston. They weren't absolutely for absolutely. years and years and years, but it takes, you know. The, a vision and a collective vision to be able to do it when you're not there in that conference at the point in time. And Rick's like coaches talking about it all the time, you know, uh, when, when they're searching and looking is, you know, top, is it a top job in the conference? Right. It, are, and meaning are they committed? It's not based on what they've done necessarily, exactly. but there, if there's a tradition, if there's some history of elements of winning and commitment, you know, where are they now with that commitment? And that, that involves a number of people. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think I definitely agree. And then also like, 
some jobs just fit coaches better. Like if you look at um, exactly. Shaka Smart with Marquette, right? Like I feel like he just fits that that job better than he did at Texas. And um, yeah, and you know, for some reason, he just couldn't really figure it out in Minnesota. It, at times, it seemed like he was almost bored over there. Whereas now, you know, he's, he seems a lot more interested and in into the program here. So, I mean, I think it's just the, the the fit of the job, but also, you know, like like Coach just said, um, commitment, right? If you look at Rutgers, for example, you would have said the same thing about Rutgers a few years back too. And exactly, finished, that's a great example. We finished top four in the Big Ten last year. I don't think anyone would have. I don't even, you know, we probably wouldn't have predicted that, right? You know, the, the no, the, the, the AD, the AD Pat Hobbs said to me last week, he's like, we had to beg people to come to our games when yeah, I first man, got here. It was here. bad. It was, it was real bad. Like, but it was, you it was need, real, real like, bad. like you said, you need the right leader. Yep. And you need, you need what an athletic director is telling you what the messaging is when you interview to actually be true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Collect the vision and things are moving now, you know, with the NIL space and the portal space and, you know, what's attractive, where, and to Gio's point, coaches are trying, where do I fit in this space? What's the best fit for me now that there's a new landscape in college basketball? Bingo. Are you ready to tier the Big East, Coach Jordan? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I, you know, this is not what we do, right? It's a, it's a, a hey, you don't know, but based on, you know, where, where people, uh, where, where everybody is right now, I think Connecticut separated themselves from, from the league, similar yeah. to what Villanova's done in past years. It was kind of, you know, everybody's trying to catch, everybody was trying to catch, uh, Villanova. Everybody's trying to catch Connecticut. And, and I know we thought Creighton on the way in based on returners and things. But I think Connecticut and Xavier and Marquette, uh, Creighton are kind of in – they're the top group with Connecticut being, you know, a step above the others at this point. Just you look at them offensively, defensively, it's hard to pick, um, you know, a major flaw. And then I think uh, Creighton's right there. You know, they, they're figuring something out right now, and I don't know exactly what. And I know Coach McDermott is one of the best I've seen or, or competed against and been around. Kalkbrenner not being available is a big piece, right? You need you need him because a lot surrounds what they do. But I think Connecticut, you know, you talk about winning the league, Creighton could, Creighton could do that for sure um, as they get themselves back on track. And then Xavier and Marquette have, have had, you know, good non-conference Marquette's been really impressive in the non-conference. And they had a lot of new faces. New way to play, five out with Oso and Godaro, you know, playing five out. Cam Jones stepping into a new role as being a leading uh, face of the program, you know, with Justin Lewis going, you know, going to the NBA. Um, they had some things to figure out, but I, I love, like Gio said, it fits Shaka. That team fits yeah. Shaka smart in the way he wants to play. They can jump on you in a hurry and make you look really bad uh, if you're, you know, and Xavier can really score the basketball when you talk about them. I mean, their offense, I've, I've had them on a few game calls. Man, their offensive, Sule Boom is, is he's a game changer for them. They had Nanji and Fremantle and Kobe Jones, and uh, but Sule Boom is a game changer for them. Just down the stretch, he has, Gio, you know this, he does not change expression. Like everything yeah. he does, he expects to do when you right. watch. Yes. So he's never – Trey Burke was like this when they're at Michigan or Kamar Baldwin when I was at Butler. Like those guys, 
they do some amazing things. And as a coach, you're even sometimes like, oh my. And they just run down the court like it was Barry Sanders. Like Barry Sanders used to give the ref the football when he ran in the end zone. He just did one of the most amazing <laughs> things you've ever seen in your life. It's regular. But they just move on. I mean, he's well, one of those type of guys. Yeah. Lavelle, why is Creighton struggling so much without Ryan Kalkbrenner? Well, the way they play pick and roll and four out one in is a big part of the way they play. So you need a productive post player, especially to play their pick and roll is is effective with Carl Brenner, but the four out one is more more effective. And so now if you don't have someone that demands that much attention, right? Because the goal is to get people in closeouts and play club, whether it's through pick and roll, whether it's four round one, you draw a double team and you have Cogbrenner reading the double team, similar to Zach Eady or Adonis Snogo, all these good big guys that are in college basketball today, um, or the pick and roll. Well, if you don't have him as a lob threat at the rim in the pick and roll, Gio, right, Gio? Now yep. your tags change. You can shorten your tags. Now I'm just worried. And they, they're not shooting – and now you got guys trying to make plays and they've run into a turnover issue, uh, which they had last season. Last season, the thing that it was, it was, hey, they had a turnover issue and they didn't shoot it great. They shot, they had two really good shooters, Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell, uh, but they didn't shoot it great. Now they've got one elite shooter with, with Baylor Shireman and then they can shoot it great. Like they got a couple guys that can get going, but they're not like elite as a team shooting the basketball. So the way they get great looks is Brenner in the pick and roll or Cogbrenner off the post-ups. And that makes their shooting percentages go up uh, uh, quite a bit. Stunning to see Creighton lose six straight games. Just stunning to see them even with their bad teams. And bad is, like, that's not even a proper way to ever describe a Greg McDermott The other part team, like, of it, John, their teams. is defensively, so they're in their transition team. So defensively, he protects the rim. Yeah. So you miss shots because you're, right. he alters shots or you don't take shots, right? And now you're, it ignites your fast break. So when he's not there, you know, the paint is a little more available to the uh, to the opponent. This is a get-right week for the Blue Jays, at least at surface level. It's a get-right week. They host Butler on Thursday night. They host DePaul on Christmas. Then they host Seton Hall. They're home for basically the next two weeks. If they're going to get this ship righted, it's got a star here this week. They've, they've got that opportunity. I'll briefly give you my Big East tiers because I want to get your guys' thoughts here with one minute to go. UConn would be a clear one. Marquette, Xavier are in tier two. And I'm going to put in this one. Wednesday, Wednesday night is a play-in game in the Big East to get into tier two. Wednesday night is a play-in game. St. John's at Villanova. The winner gets into tier two. I am not going to be late to the bus. Gio, I was late to the bus a hell of a lot growing up for a lot of reasons, <laughs> one of which was lack of speed. I'm not going to be late to the bus with Villanova. They might not know who they were earlier in the year. They're starting to figure it out if they haven't figured it out already. They've got St. John's. St. John's is 11 and one. They got to be the least talked about power conference, 11 and one team in, in the country. You know why they really don't have a win that makes you say, wow, St. John's prove it. Wednesday night, you go to the thinner pavilion. That's your chance. That's your chance right there. That's the playing game in tier two. Then a whole bunch of teams in tier three and Georgetown to Pollard in tier four. 
Cam Whitmore is playing now. John, he's he's <laughs> I, Gio. Have you seen him? I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him. I I mean, my goodness. He, Watch him. The two and five Villanova that you that we all saw to start the year when he wasn't playing is yeah. not Villanova that you're watching on Wednesday night. Six thirty, six thirty Eastern time Wednesday night. I'm telling you, St. John's. If you're going to break through this year, you show something on Wednesday because you've got the talent. You've got the talent. Villanova's on the other side, and if Villanova can win, that'd be five in a row. They they figured something out quickly here, gentlemen. Three toasts. Gio, uh, who are you toasting tonight? Go ahead. Yeah, I want to give my toast tonight to uh to the Texas Longhorn basketball program. Um, you know, just obviously they're as a player, I've faced a lot of adversity. I never faced what they're going through right now. I'm sure they're getting daily questions, all in social media, right? Internal questions probably going on that we don't even know about. Um, and the fact that they still came out and game got a win today against Stanford. Um, you know, you, you see the reactions from the players, Marcus Carr and and the guys all hugging each other after the game. Uh, Timmy Allen shaking his hand. Yes. And like, I guess it was against Stanford. Stanford's not a great team, but just to see how connected those guys were and how happy they were to get a win. You could tell that their, their focus, their mission is still together as a group and to get a win together. Um, so super impressive for those guys. Cause you know, they're definitely facing a lot of adversity. So, uh, you know, a little cheers to them. Laval. You alluded to it, John. I was going to go Richard Patino. We talked about him earlier. Um, that's a difficult thing to do. I've, I have never had to coach against my dad. Um, uh, obviously, it makes for a great storyline uh, and, and two really good coaches, a Hall of Famer. And, you know, uh, that's a difficult thing. But to start the season like New Mexico has and with what happened in Minnesota and him jumping into New Mexico. And um, so a toast to Richard you know, for the start to the year and then also a victory against against Pops. I'm going to go. I always love going with the mid-major route for the toast of the night. So I'm going to go to the UNCW Seahawks. They have won eight straight games. Takeo Siddle's doing a nice job with that team. They're 9-3 and three on the year. They won their eighth straight game today over High Point. But they went down to... Uh, the Bahamar Nassau Championship, they won that event. They're red hot. They got a kid named Trezarian White. And, folks, he has blossomed. He has blossomed this season. He's a very interesting player. He's got length. He can attack the rim. So I'm going to give my my toast tonight to Takeo Siddle and a UNCW program that has been really well run over the last couple of years on the CAA. They're playing high-level basketball, and they have won eight consecutive games after starting the season at one and three. And I got to toast the Furman Paladins because I was down there yesterday. And Mike, Bob, Mike and Bob, Bob, Ritchie. Bob Ritchie, look, there's a reason why they were picked at the top of the SOCON. And I still cannot, I still cannot get over the game that we watched yesterday and the show that Mike Bothwell put on 36 points. He only missed two shots the entire day. He had Dagan Hughes jaw drop to the floor because that's how good he was in that game. And the Paladins, the Dins, as they call them, they get our final toast of the entire weekend. And we at the Field of 68 appreciate the folks at Greenville for having us down there for our first ever game broadcast.
So thanks for watching, everybody. We're back tomorrow night, 11 Eastern time with another After Dark. And we're with you throughout the week with some special holiday themes to our episodes as well. Folks, conference play. Here we go with a couple of non-conference games to close out that portion of the schedule sprinkled in. This is going to be a fun week ahead of the Christmas holiday. And for Geo Baker and Laval Jordan, I'm John Fanta. Thanks to producer Dagan Hughes. And thanks for watching.